you can build a property, like a modest size property with the idea of doing co-living. So you can do that or as a renovator, you can do a retrofit to something and make it work. And the key requirements, if you're building new, is four bedroom, three bathroom, two car. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello, everyone. We're back with another episode of She Renovates. And today I have my lovely occasional co-host, Jo, back. But today she's back as a guest and as a sponsor of She Renovates Live. And firstly, I just wanted to say how grateful we were for your sponsorship, yours and Greg's. So for those of you who don't know, Jo and her dreamy husband, Greg, Jo's dreamy too, (laughs) Um, have two businesses. One is the property advocate services where they're property strategists and source property for many of our renovators. And the other one is property women. And I think we are very aligned in the things that we care about. And today we're going to be talking about one of Joe's projects in particular and a strategy around providing affordable accommodation. And in this instance, for women. So welcome, Joe. My absolute pleasure to be here, Bernadette. And it was our pleasure to also be a sponsor of She Renovates Live. It was an incredible event and I was in the room and I was playing along as well. And I have been so inspired since that. Like I'm still driving, I'm still in that sort of, I'm doing realestate.com.au searches after hours. Like, what about this? What about that? So even though I live and breathe the space day in, day out, I'm still at heart an investor and a very enthusiastic one. And your event really did put the spark back in the belly. So it was great. (laughs) Well, that is really awesome. I think, so you and I used to both, oh, well, I still am, but you were a member of Business Blueprint with me. Are you a member at the moment? You're not, are you? I am on hold. Okay. I'm on hold. So I'm paused. (laughs) I'm just making sure that I'm being factually correct. And so I went to an event last weekend and I was thinking when I was sitting in there, but I was thinking... You really do need some rah-rah to actually raise your vibration and get you back into that state of possibility and motivation, don't you? Because when you get into your everyday, often that you lose that spark a bit. And so that's what I hope that we give Renovators with She Renovates Live. And the fact that we have inspired a seasoned investor like you, I think that's a bit of a win. Yeah, absolutely. And you're completely right. It's just you do need to keep that spark alive and that's why the rah-rah is great. But also being a part of a course like yourself and your members, that in those that period between live events, they're all bolstered up by each other's success on Facebook, in their group, in the community, sharing numbers. Even when they're in, like someone's busy at work, you're like, wow, I can sing the praises and be happy for other people's success as well. So it definitely does help keep that spark burning too. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. So we're talking about co-living today because a project that you're doing personally, and as I mentioned to you earlier, I know a lot of our community are really interested in the idea of affordable accommodation for women. So do you want to just quickly 
well, not quickly, actually, you've got all the time in the world to tell us about that project, where it is, what the strategy is, and so on. Yes, certainly. So it's a property development Dragon and I did during lockdown because what else to do when you've got a bit of spare time? And whilst we're Sydney-based, the property is in the Logan area, Logan City Council in Brisbane. And it's property that we already own. We've got two up there on large parcels of land. We had already done the DA to build on them and had that approved. And then we did the next step, which was to actually get the second title on one of them. We've done one sort of parked in the moment, but the other one we have actually got the second title. It's a battle axe scenario. So we've got an older cottage sitting at the front of the lot, 1,000 square metres, but the front lot now is about 450. So we've got tenants in there that have been there throughout the whole process and they're quite happy just to chug along as is. But then at the back, we're building a dual key property. So that is two comes under one roof line and it's three bedrooms on one side with a cask car the lock-up garage and then two bedrooms on the other side with a lock-up garage so the evolution though for greg and i is that we looked at these the growing popularity of co-living and then also matched with this absolute housing crisis like there is just an absolute housing crisis people unable to afford rents that biggest growing number of affordability issues is hitting women 55 plus and the evolution from the on the basis of this is the appetite for co-living structures has grown and I can share a little bit more about what that is compared to share housing and other forms of rooming. And even the councils or Brisbane Council as well, they're answering to the crisis by allowing things like granny flats into the market. You could always have a granny flat, but until recently, the tenants of a granny flat had to be under the same lease as the front house or known to the front house. So now it's you can have two genuine set tent separate lease leases under the one side. But our separate title, we're building this dual key and I can have three separate leases underneath my roof line. So one side I'm going to have a set permanent tenant, whether it's a couple or whatever the scenario is. And on the three bedroom side, I'm going to have two people in that on two separate leases. So one okay. person will get the larger bedroom with a garage and the other person will get a bedroom to themselves and then the spare bedroom will potentially be their home office or their own private space to do what they want to do in that. And further to that, Greg and I want to make sure that our tenants, we've actually asked and make sure we're not you know, against any legislation, but we're wanting to open up those doors to women 55 plus to become the tenants in that structure. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And can, is two the limit? Like is two people... It's three under one roof line is the limit because once you go beyond that, you're going from a, I think it's the 1A is the terminology to a 1B, which is the rooming. Yeah. Yeah. So that opens up a lot of other costs if you're building, if you're, even if you're doing a retrofit as well, you need to have disability access. It needs to have different fire standards and rulings and things like that more car spaces off the street. So for us, we're going to maintain it so that the property does sit within that standard co-living, three leases under one roof line. And further to the modifications we're making to the three-bedroom side, we will be having lockable doors and lockable pantries, but there will be shared, there'll be shared kitchen, living space, and we're going to furnish that space as well. And we will put solar panels on, but the, ultimately the bills will be shared, a shared cost to the tenants as well. Okay, so you're going to share them with the tenants or they will the share them? Will, will, yeah, it, with the dual key, it's a little bit different. So I'll talk about the standard co-living, which I feel would yeah. be a better fit for your for, yeah. for a lot of your renovators. But for our scenario, the two sides dual key are already on separate metres 
separate electricity, separate water. So there's two different bills and then that's how that's structured. So on the side where I've got two tenants, they will share the costs. So they'll split the electricity and power bill, the water, the consumption usage, they will share that as well. But I'm also adding those solar panels there to lighten that burden and of cost. But I will be providing things like the NBN. So that there again is another, and I'm furnishing it. So whilst it's brand new, I've got the full depreciation benefits of brand new build. The furnishing is going to be new and it's going to be of a good enough quality that it's there. If it's durable, it's nice. It's not cheap and it's not going to break on them as well. And I want to create a home that people can really settle into. I don't want the, ultimately people have got their own agendas, but I want to have that certainty for people. And I've got another property with two incomes under one roof line and that's in Redcliffe, which is North Brisbane. And again, I've got a lady there in her mid to late seventies and one in her late fifties. They, the property works really well. They're polite and give each other space. And I don't think that she, the lady, the lady in the 70s has been like the best tenant I've ever had. <laughs> she's awesome. She really looks after the place and it sits her budget. And I don't think she's going to be going anywhere soon. Oh, that's incredible. And so I'm assuming it makes it quite good cash flow. It is. Yeah. Well, that's one of the bonuses, I guess, as an investor that you're not only providing this, what well, there's a, a huge need for. But as an, mm. and with rising interest rates and all those other things that you need to factor in with the cost of living going up, you're not going to be putting your hand in your pocket when you have a co-living structure. You are going to be getting higher rent for that property. Yeah. So where yeah. you could expect a 4 to 4.5% return, you're probably looking at a 7 to 8%, possibly even more. depends on what the offering is and where the property is located. So those sorts of returns are really, really attractive for investors as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Look, I'm happy to talk about what co-living might look like for somebody just starting out. Like, So I'm going to just address quickly the two differences. You can build a property, like a modest-sized property, with the idea of doing co-living. So you can do that or as a renovator, you can do a retrofit to something and make it work. And the key requirements, especially, well, I'm going to say if you're building new, it's four bedroom, three bathroom, two car is what the recommendation is. And the parts of Brisbane that I've been doing this for clients do tend to sit, the build price sits, tends to sit around the high threes to 400000 not including the cost of the land. So if you're already sitting on a large parcel of land and you choose to do something like this and you want to subdivide, that's just what you're going to be looking at for the build, not the subdivision, not your site works and other driveway, et cetera. So that you putting lockable doors onto bedrooms, lockable pantry, really important just for people's privacy. You want to make sure the floor plan makes sense so that people have got their own bathrooms and then further to that, their own bathrooms. And then if there is only two car garage, there might be an incentive that two bedrooms get a garage or a car space each and that third bedroom might get a second space as well. So they might have a small office area to themselves as well. So there's that, all three have got a little something, a little bit extra up their sleeve, but they have private bathrooms private bedrooms and somewhere they can store their food safely as well. That's amazing. So that you can issue a lease to each tenant. So they're all on their own lease. So if one decides it moves away, it doesn't disrupt everyone else. You can just get someone else to come in. Do they want any say or do they have any say in who they live with? I think it's how you pitch it as the owner of the property. And property management that we've been working with about this They've said you can have like house rules. If I'm saying to somebody, you know, look, I'm welcoming you in, you're 60 years old, we're looking for other people of the similar age, stage of life as well. And you can be really transparent about what that is. And if you're an investor, you're doing yourself, you're better off holding a property 
for two, three weeks until you match the people really well because yeah. you want ease, you don't want complaints. You want to make sure that people are sticking around for a long time. So putting a 24-year-old guy into a room where he's got a 50-year-old female neighbor and the other room a 78-year-old female, like under the one roof line, it's not going to be necessarily a cohesive established space. No. So approach it as you would a business and always use your head when you're doing this. Don't be too hasty to put people in and just fill rooms. And I think having that, I guess, behavior, what your jurisdiction is, this is what you're allowed to use. If something breaks, this is who you call. If there is an issue, this is what you do. But each person has a bond to pay and each person has their own rent to pay. And if there is any issue with one particular tenant, it reflects on them personally and not the others. So I think this is why this demographic, whilst these women of a certain age are certainly making up such a large percentage of people in a housing crisis scenario, they also make really good, reliable tenants. They're just, you know, then you're just not going to have the same complications you would if you were introducing a student household. It's just something good does come with maturity. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so are you finding many of those prospective tenants might have a dog or a pet? Some of them do. Absolutely. So you know, yeah. Look, I haven't had that. Well, I haven't had the question personally yet. You know, I lie. Sorry. The one I had in Redcliffe, I did. I did have the question. And I did allow a small dog in that property. Yeah. And the lady wrote me a really detailed, I'll look after it. It's a rescue. It's not young. It's and she gave you know, she really it was very eloquently worded. And I thought that sounds like a responsible animal owner. But the number of people that are coming to these properties with pets is it's a big number. So if we've said yes to a dog, I think it's got to make sure that it doesn't upset other tenants because if tenants have got allergies, if they don't like pets, if they've got a cat. So I think you need to have that structure and what you're allowing up front before you allow yeah. open the doors to have anyone move in because yeah. it could obviously the minute somebody's got some sort of allergy to cats or dogs, it's it becomes quite problematic. Yeah, well, I know, I do know an agent and I think you know her too and she said to me at one stage that her she does a lot of affordable accommodation. Her biggest market is young women with dogs. Yeah, and that's so, surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, it's absolutely essential and I think so one of the ways you can do, if you're looking to do something like this, a really affordable way is to look at flatmates.com.au and get a sense of, Who's looking in the area that you're considering this in? So some of your considerations also is you're better off being within a drivable, commutable distance to a major hub. I don't think this is going to really be a rural, regional, heavy outside of a main hub opportunity. I just don't think that the knock on the door is not going to be as strong. But if you're within a drivable distance to the city, any city, there's always going to be housing issues and shortages. And as we open up our doors more to people coming in from overseas, they don't have furnishings, but they want. this is why if you furnish the property, do it well. Don't do it too yeah. cheap. If you're going to be sourcing off marketplace and upcycling, do so with a nice caliber of property because you can attract a better tenant. It's just that common sense. Mates.com.au, have a look. Who, who's looking for one-bedroom furnished apartments in your area and what is it they're bringing along with them? Are they wanting cats, dogs? I would always say no to somebody who's a smoker. Like that's just yeah. a regulation. I know it's sometimes you've got to be very careful what you can and can't do and say, but if you want to keep a harmony in the house, it has to have it has to be some blanket rules set up early along the piece as well. The number of people living alone, lone households at this current point is 2.3 million people living alone. And that number is set to grow into, by 2041, it'll be 3.5 million people living alone. That's a large number. Yeah. It's a really big uptick in that. And look, culturally, a lot of cultures are very 
accommodating of their multi-generational housing. But there is also a lot of people that are just like, you see your mum and dad, I'm out of here. And then at one point there's housing issues because these older people are no longer in employment and the cost of getting somewhere to live to rent is becoming far more difficult for them to meet. And then they're having to either make a decision of sharing a scenario like this or moving really far away from what they know, their community, hospitals, their friends and all the rest. So there's a lot of so much benefit to providing homes for these people. Yeah. And let's just go back to the configuration of the home. Mm. I would imagine that you'd want decent-sized bedrooms, big-ish bedrooms, so that the women, or I'm saying women here, can have a TV in their room and have their, there's someone that they don't really love socialising with. They <laughs> their space to clear the deck. So when you say four beds, three bath, the fourth bedroom, what is that? That's for guests, is it? Can they have guests in the house? Not, no, the, the suggestion would be the best structure and two cars. Mm. Is it two bedrooms? Two bedrooms get the bedroom, bath to themselves and a car space each the third person would have to be parking on the street or if there's a somewhere to park off the street but no garage and they would have access to the fourth bedroom so that that fourth bedroom it could be the most modest size bedroom in the house and ideally right next to where they sleep and that bedroom could be just for home office or it could be that's where they've got like their art stuff set up or tea look a small lounge and their own tv if that's they want to set that up. So, and working from home obviously is a big draw card for a lot of people as well. So that yeah. that would work really well. If you're doing a retrofit of a property and wanting to do co-living, where I feel if the bedroom sizes are modest, is there a way that you can create a courtyard off the bedroom? If there is there a window? Can you create a door space so that they can have a small fenced in courtyard? They can have a chair outside and just yeah. like you say. <laughs> Have a cup of tea and not have to make eye contact with anybody else. So, yes, you warm out TVs to try and accommodate for some of those sizing issues in a property. Make sure there's ample storage. But there are ways you can get around that, especially if you are coming at it from a renovator's mind where you kind of go, well, we could do this or we could do that or we could reclaim this space for somebody to have that little bit extra so you might have a modest-sized bedroom but you get the courtyard. The big bedroom does has the ensuite. When I say three bathrooms as well, the beauty of the structure when you're building new is that once you sell it, you can easily reconvert that back to a, just a standard residential house. So that two of the bathrooms could be en suites. The third bathroom could be a public bathroom, like an open, open bathroom. Bath, main bathroom, thank you. But you could have a door on that that locks to the outside world and one that's accessible from one of the bedrooms. Yeah. And that, again, locks are easier to come off and patched and painted. So the person who buys your property could be another investor just like you or me, Bernadette, but it also could be a young family looking to break into the area that just wants a nice, generous home. And honestly, who doesn't want like three bathrooms, especially when you've got, well, my life, three teenage, or two two and almost three teenage boys, I think the more bathrooms better. (laughs) Absolutely. So I think it's going to be a resale bonus for that investor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it. And so... But this is purely in Queensland, the co-living? No, it's not. It's, yeah, so look, I'm quoting Queensland because I'm confident with what I'm saying in terms of the legislation and that's where I am doing, I'm doing this myself. But as as I am to understand that New South Wales has, and I always want to just make sure that people understand to look and do their own due diligence in this space to make sure that they're meeting all the requirements, making sure there's ample smoke alarms, 
that the council's ruling is echoing what I'm actually saying and you're talking potentially to a town planner before buying if that's the route you want to take. I know, Victoria, you're probably a little bit more across what you can do in in Victoria than what I am in this space as well because I think they're slightly more lenient. Is that right? So in Victoria you can basically have nine people in a house And to be honest with you, I should have checked the legislation before I came back on. And the way that it can be set up, it needs to be very specific. I just haven't really been following the affordable accommodation sort of scene that much. And I know that there's been talk of co-living in New South Wales. I'm just not quite sure about Victoria, so I'll have to look that up. So with the co-living, with where you're doing it, you don't have to do the fire safety things that you need to do in affordable accommodation, so no exit plans or anything like that. That's when you hit the 1B, that terminology where you do need to have, yeah, there's a lot more legislation around what you need to do to protect people once you go into that four or more people scenario. Yeah, that's where I'm confident. And I personally want to keep to three, I think, from a viewpoint of being manageable as well and the property managers that we've engaged to look after ours. And that's just my, that's my personal comfort and my personal knowledge space in this realm. But the potential here is to make a really good returns, do a good thing because there's obviously a shortage of yeah. it. Where I'm seeing the best building you is the high needs is Logan City Council, which is an enormous land space between Brisbane and Gold Coast, yeah. 70 plus suburbs. And then moving west of that is Ipswich. And again, these formulas are working really well in these areas as well. So, and that's where I'm, I've got a very, very small amount of builders that I recommend that do these builds. So if you're listening to this and you've already got a property, you've got the capacity, I'm more than happy to share those details with you to see that is this something that's going to fit in the back? Is it going to work? Obviously, there is got to tick a few boxes in terms of what the council will allow. But when you go to get your loan, the bank will only look at that number of your rental return based on it being a fixed tenancy, not the co-living numbers. So just be mindful of that from a valuation viewpoint as well. The dual key property that I'm building in between the two bedroom side and the three bedroom side, I have had to meet those fire safety laws where the two there's a big thick fire retardant wall between the two yeah Yeah. and that's acoustically sound and all the rest so obviously that meets all those needs but because of the way the structure is co-living I don't need to do that between the bedrooms yeah yeah okay awesome and so what about you've got another project on the go do you want to share about that one as well you're talking Sydney or the other one up north no I'm talking Sydney (laughs) (laughs) yeah the Taj (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am literally, I feel like I've been talking about this for so long. It's, I almost won't believe when I'm actually in the house itself. And without exaggeration, the 17th of December 2020 was when I first signed the building contract and I'm waiting for the tender to be updated like it's meant to be today or tomorrow. So I'm really, I'm really coming to the end of talking about it and actually doing and my DA approval for the pool came in. So yeah, Greg and I are undertaking quite a elaborate build in Sydney and the Northern Beaches. And we've got a very tricky site that we're working with, with the added bonus of it being in a flame zone. So, well, we knew what we're getting into, but at the time, the construction industry wasn't quite as delayed or chaotic or overloaded as what it's evolved to be in the last 20 or 24 months. And having that flame zone as an extra bonus has added a few costs to the build. 
And the one thing that I'm a little bit sad about is I do need to put window shutters across every single window of the house, including the two panels next to the front door. A little bit sad about that because they're not the sexiest looking addition to a build, but we're hoping that we'll be able to, I'm actually, I can tell you how excited I'm going to be when I watch the house get bulldozed. (laughs) Wow. Yes, it's big and it's a big house and it's a big project and uh, yes. And the pool we've got in the back is cantilevered. So there's additional engineering expenses. We're back onto Middle Harbour. So they're very concerned about any environmental impact in the water. We've had to have Aboriginal heritage overlays and sign-offs that we're not impacting. So, yeah, it's not for the faint-hearted, but I'm committed. Yeah, I know, right? I know. And I really hope the house is completed before I'm an empty nester because it's taking so long to do. But I'm sure we'll get a number of years in to enjoy it yet. And this is one of the things about She Renovates excited me because one of the topics that came up time and again was Airbnb and how people are converting their properties and doing this to their yeah. take yeah, their rent. And it's like, maybe I need to just start to put a little bit of elbow grease into this instead of being a little bit more of a passive investor and say, what can I do? Because dare I say it, we've got some pretty hefty bills to face. And when the house is even finished, I've got to furnish it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And look, I just love the way that with Airbnb, you can just go and do that. You can go, and we're not even talking about buying property. You can just go and lease a property and create, really create an income out of nothing. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very powerful strategy. I was just thinking about it yesterday that I think that Airbnb has been a lifesaver for women who have not got enough super because it just like if we're doing what we're doing and we're having to rely only on long-term rent, it just won't achieve the outcome. Like a lot of women in particular are in their 50s, don't have enough and really need to crank it up. So I think Airbnb is a wonderful strategy and I'd love to see you furnishing your house out of your Airbnb income. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, I feel like I've got my homework yeah, up and ahead of me and I have to, I'm sure I have to do a few walkthroughs as it evolves from the earth to share it with everybody as well. Yeah. How long is the build time? Like how long will it take? Okay, I think the contract may be 10 months, which this is what I'm actually waiting on, this final tender. But look, I'm going to bank on 12 months plus. It's just the reality of time. And then I even just booking the demolition person in, they're busy. They haven't got a space for me until at least mid-January. So I think that's the thing with the... You want to sort of go in and just be all go, 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 go. But unfortunately, there are boxes to tick, councils to appease, delays, Christmas. If the demolition guy is not ready, well, the builder can't go for, you know, first. And if the pool people aren't ready, I'm just going to start building the house. I, the right process would be to get the build, the pool in, but we've got enough room to the side of the house that it can be a secondary step. I, not the ideal process, but I just don't want to wait any longer. I really yeah. want to get into this property. So it really has tested the boundaries of patience. And whilst I'm very understanding because I live and breathe this space all the time, every now and then you go, oh, I've got to agitate someone. And the guy at the council are like, how's it going? Just wondering, how's our DA? Like, hello. So you do have to be your squeaky wheel, but you can do it nicely. And I think that certainly has helped push things along a little bit on people's desks as well. Yeah, we had to do the same with our DA. Otherwise, it would have dragged on forever. So I'm hoping our reno will only be about six months, but I don't know. I reckon we might be line balling it with you. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm looking so, forward to showing it. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for the housewarming party. So there's a question. She wants to know what you meant about the banks not taking into account the income from a co-living situation. Yeah, so when you're going for a loan, for when you go to your lender for the loan, the lender is not interested in your Airbnb model money. It's not interested in your co-living numbers. It's interested in what the set and forget tenancy looks like. So that could be on a $650,000 property, you might get five fifty dollars rent per week. And that is what they'll look at they'll look at in terms of your what's going to cost and they'll look at what you can actually meet in terms of your own financial position and that's what they'll loan the money on. Just because you can make that an Airbnb or a co-living and increase that number to $900 per week, the banks aren't interested in looking at that. They really want the most stable, fundamental numbers. I know there are some non-bank lenders that might look at something a little bit more generously, but I think if you're sticking with your standard lenders, they're going to just want to know what that rental yield is going to look like. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just wondering, though, once you've got it and you've had it operating, like I know with Airbnb, generally they'll take two years of figures that maybe then when you come back and refinance, you might be able to, yeah, use the increased income at that stage. So worth a try. So Kim on, they asked a question? Yes. I'll let you answer that, Joe. DA, you mean plan approval for Victoria. DA is in development application. Is that what you're asking me, Kim? On this, that DA is an abbreviation for that. So I think yeah. if you're building anything new, you'll need a DA or an approval. And there's DAs, which means for me, I have to run through the council. And if it's something a little quirky, I think most people will find you need to go through that. Or you can do a CDC. So that's a complying development application or well, complying development. Yeah. CDC, what's the other C for? Yeah, Kimon's in <laughs> Victoria and you're right, yeah. the DA and planning approval are the same thing. In Victoria they do it slightly different in that it's not a CDC. The next step is a building certificate, I think, or, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a building certificate and it's done through a building surveyor as opposed to how we do it through a certifier. certifier so it's a little bit right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. The, we get bogged down with our local area acronyms, Kim on, but yeah, so DA for me, development application, and that means I had to run through council and I had to tick a lot of boxes and a lot of things to make sure that yeah, this meets the flame zone requirements. And if you are building in a flame zone, brace yourself because especially on the back of the horrendous bushfires that we have had, there's some pretty strict rules in terms of the materials that you build your house, trying to mitigate risk to your neighbours, making sure you're not building too close to trees. They look at, we, we did a number of different things with the bushfire, trying to see what we could do to mitigate and lower our risk profile. But unfortunately, it is what it is. And yeah, I paid the bills yeah. And <laughs> yeah. as a result. But yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I think we have given the topic the attention it needs. Once again, I want to say thank you to you, Joe, for everything. So Joe also did a presentation at She Renovates Live. So I'm pretty sure the email's going out with the recordings for anyone that was there to be able to access that. And if you don't have access to the recordings, there's some, we have a facility for you to get access to them. And I think we've got a Black Friday sale on that as well. So watch our emails and you can get in there and check out Joe's excellent presentation 
on the market and also giving you a bit more detail on her co-living project, which I think is a great cash flow positive strategy that a lot of renovators will want to take advantage of. Now, Joe, and I'm assuming you're happy if people want to talk to you about finding a site that they get in contact with you and have More a chat about their needs. Absolutely. No, absolute pleasure. Beautiful. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye, everyone. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com. 